Ephesians chapter 4, let's begin to read in verse 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, uh, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, Forgiven one another, even as God's for even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You can be seated this morning. We come to you this morning, Lord. We certainly need you. Uh, need you to come by in this preaching time, uh, Lord. I am trying my best to be the willing vessel that I need to be, and I pray that uh, you would take me and use me. And Lord, you know my heart this morning. I don't even know why you bothered to call me to preach some days. Because I know what I am. But I'm glad you made a difference in my life. You've done something in me and I thank you for that. And still working in me. And I praise you for that. I pray that you'd give us an unction from the Holy One and an honest this morning while we preach for a little while that if there's somebody here that's lost, that they'd get saved. I pray that you'd speak to their heart and move upon them. I pray for the one that has a need. I pray that need would be met this morning. Let us see how the word of God, what you'd have us to see. And you certainly know my need this morning. And I pray you'd move. Help the one that needs help. Save that sentence near his tail for all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before I start this morning, sometimes I really do wonder, uh, not that I'm in sin by no means, but I do wonder why God called me to preach some days. That's a big task that sets in front of men when they preach. Uh, That's a great big task, and I don't ever want to take it lightly and not do what he had had me to do. And that, that does weigh on my mind from time to time is God called me to do a job. I want to look in Ephesians chapter 4 in these verses here that I read. Uh, he gave us some instruction. Now most of y'all know that are here at the church that I struggled for a long time uh, understanding some of these verses where he talks about putting off uh, concerning the former conversation the old man, his deportment, and the way that he acts, and the way that he is, and that we put on the new man, which is uh, what he said right here, after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And I struggled with those verses in, in my early 20s, uh, uh, because, you know, because of 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 
When the Bible said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, uh, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Uh, and so for me to reconcile those things, I, I really struggled with that, uh, because when he saved us, he changed us. But, but there are some things, if I can say it that way, there are some actions and, and uh, factors in our life uh, that we have control of. We have control of it. Uh, we have control of the old man and we have control of the new man. And it is a determination in your heart and in your mind whether or not, you know, the, the Apostle Paul said in Romans 6 uh, to walk in newness of life. Walk like you've been saved. Act like you've been saved. Amen. I mean, that's what we are to do. We've been changed. We don't sin anymore. Uh, listen, he saved us from our sin. Uh, we should act like we're saved. Amen. I'm not talking about putting on a uh, hypocritical act. I'm saying we ought to act like saved people should act. Amen. What's going to be a good message? I already see. It's not going nothing like I thought it's going to go. Um, but I want you to look with me. We're going to focus on verse 30 and deal with these verses that are around it uh, and try to bring you what God give us. Notice in verse 30 that the Bible said, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. I want to preach for just a little while uh, uh, on the thought of hindering uh, the work of of the Holy Spirit, a hindering uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm glad this morning it was Him uh, uh, that come to me and dealt with my heart, uh, and because of Him pointing out the Scripture and showing me that I was lost, uh, uh, He saved me. Amen. And He's the one that sealed me and keeps me uh, uh, unto the day of redemption. The Bible said in Ephesians 1, In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of the inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. So we've got Him to seal us and keep us, and He is the down payment the earnest of our inheritance of what we're going to get one day. So what is the work of the Holy Spirit? Now, this introduction may hold me up for a little while, but stay with me, okay? I will be aware of what time it is. Let me say quickly, by way of what is the work of the Holy Spirit? It is to draw sinners to Christ. Bible said in the book of the Revelation chapter 22, uh, uh, he said over there, John did, and the spirit and the bride say come uh, and let him hear say come uh, and let him that is a thirst come uh, uh, and, and whosoever will let him come uh, and take of the water of life. For he said, and the spirit and the bride say come. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man will hear my voice and will open the door, he said, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. And so he draws sinners to himself. You can take your Bible and go over the book of John and Jesus is telling them what he's going to do in John chapter 16. 
In John chapter 16, he's laying out him going away and the Holy Spirit coming. In John 16 and verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, and the very first thing he said, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I've sinned because they believe not on me. The Holy Spirit had to point out in your heart one day that you were a sinner and needed to get saved. Somebody, somewhere, something, that spirit uh, come by. You know, we sung Amazing Grace. Uh, uh, talks about how that it was grace, uh, uh, friend, that, that showed us what we needed to do. Uh, but it was grace uh, that brought us through everything too. And so it's the Holy Spirit that shows you that you were lost, tells you, and if you're sitting in here this morning uh, and he's knocking on your heart, then you need to get saved. Amen. And so it's the Holy Spirit that does those things. He tells us, how does He do that? He reproves the world of sin. He puts us in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in John 15, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, He shall testify of me. You see, this morning what He does is tells folk about the Lord Jesus Christ. He does not talk about himself. People that, people that want to talk about the Holy Ghost done this and the Holy Ghost said that and the Holy Ghost moved me to do this, I'd be very careful about that. He's going to point to the Son. I mean, that's what he does. I mean, I mean the Lord Jesus Christ tells us that, uh, that he shall testify of me. He never points uh, to himself. As Christ pointed to the Father, so the Holy Spirit points to the Son. Listen, it's Him that tells us that we needed to get saved. It's Him that shows us that we were in our lost condition. But then when we got saved, it's Him that dwells in each believer. Take your Bible and go to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 9. Romans 8. And verse 9. Now, yeah, let me ask you, is the Holy Spirit residing inside of you? When I got saved, He come and set up residence. Romans chapter 8, look in verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. That word dwell means to live at or to live in. If you dwell somewhere, you're living there. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, and the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit, talking about Him again, Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that what dwelleth in you. He dwells in each believer uh, 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 and that when you got saved. So now, where are you taking him to? <laughs> That's a good question, ain't it? Y'all know this. I'm not probably going to preach to y'all something y'all don't already know. But listen, if he dwells on the inside of us, then where are we taking him? 
I mean, we're dragging him around with us uh, uh, everywhere we go. You can go back to John chapter 14. I'll just go back there real quick uh, uh, and read you what the Lord Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, about him being with us and coming to us. John 14 verse 16, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He comes to us in the very fact of the work of the Holy Spirit. So he dwells, he dwells in each believer. Now you better be thankful he's dwelling in you today. You better be thankful that he's there. Listen, he is there uh, uh, not only to uh, dwell in us, not only to, not, listen, it's because of him uh, that we know that we're saved. The spirit itself by the witness with our spirit that we are the children uh, of God. Hey, when the choir got up here and sung, uh, uh, and we singing, I know my name is there, uh, uh, and it came, oh, the, listen this morning, uh, uh, it done something, it stirred something uh, in my heart when we sung with each other uh, about the Lord, amen. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit will let you know whether you're saved or not. The Holy Spirit is the one that placed us into the body of Christ. For by one spirit are y'all baptized. I, I'm really not digging into what his work is, but I want you to get this. I want you to get this this morning. Uh, because we, we could spend all day and all night uh, on, on uh, one work. Now, boys, I'm getting a little loud up here, okay? It's bouncing back at me. Uh, we, we, we could spend all day on it, but... But listen, he's the one that baptized us uh, into the body of Christ. He put us in to the body of Christ. We did not do anything uh, uh, and that to deserve to get in or to work in. uh, And it's him that guides us uh, uh, into truth. John 16 verse 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. What's he saying? He says when he's come, it's him that will guide you into truth. Now, the the Holy Spirit will not guide you contrary to this book. So I had a preacher friend of mine uh, said one time, I don't know if it was at his church or some meeting he was in, some woman come in and she said, I know what the Bible says, but I believe God called me to preach. No, he didn't either. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, if it's contrary to the book, God ain't talking to you. He said, well, I believe it's the Holy Spirit. If it's contrary to the book, God ain't talking to you. And you need to get a hold of that. You need to understand that. You say, well, who is it? Well, reckon who it is, friend. Little John said, try the spirits over there. You know, one of my biggest concerns that I have is not that the, uh, well, I do, you know, sometimes worry about listening to the devil, but I worry more about listening to me than I do anybody. Because I'm afraid I'm listening to me when I ought to be listening to the Lord. And trying to decipher between, is it me talking, is it the Lord talking, or is it the devil talking? And sometimes that thing is a little hard to figure out, I'll just be honest with you. But he will guide you into all truth. 
Well, notice what he said, and I'll come back to this. For he shall not speak of himself. He's not going to talk about himself. The Holy Spirit does not talk about himself. Again, he points us uh, and that to the Lord Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 said, uh, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, uh, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. What we get out of this book comes from the Holy Spirit. You want to know something? You want to know something? You pray that God will give you an unction. A little John talks about, but you have an unction from the Holy One. That's talking about anointing. That's talking about uh, listening and empowering. uh, uh, And that to understand, it's talking about an empowering uh, and that to work. We cannot do the work of God without the Holy Spirit of God moving in our life. You know why preachers can preach? I mean preach. I ain't talking about slobbering. We slobber sometimes. I mean we do. I heard Brother Ted preaching on the radio this morning talking about, talking about the whites, you know. that Preachers, you, both me and my wife years ago, we had a pastor. Man, the white would collect while he was a preaching. Huh? I think that grossed my wife out, you know. I mean, I mean, it would, you, you know, and he got talking about them pulling up their britches. You know, I have to do that only because mine's falling down. Amen. But listen, you know why preachers can preach? You know why Sunday school teachers can teach? I'm talking about giving you something out of that book. Yeah, they spent time in the book, but they're having to depend on the Lord. Amen. I mean, I made my way around the church this morning out by the fellowship hall and come around. I just talking to the Lord and I was downstairs talking to the Lord and I was just walking around just talking to the Lord because I knew what I was up against with this message right here. But if it's going to work, he was going to have to help me. You know why you can go witness and he can call Scripture back to your memory? One, you, one, you memorize some things. One, you've read your Bible. But you know what? He can bring things to your memory. My friend, when you can't bring them to your memory, he can do that. You know why you get understanding out of this book? Because he does something. He gives you an example. I am a firm believer and a true believer that if you give somebody that's saved a King James Bible and say, here it is, and if they'll go pray and seek God, they can get it. Amen. I believe you can get it. I do. Well, what's all that got to do with anything? We come back to the text verse in verse 30. I wanted to quickly lay out, and I'm not sure how quick it was, but quickly lay out just a short work of the Holy Spirit and how he works in men's hearts. But right here he said, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Sometimes we hinder, and I want you to listen to me. Sometimes we hinder his work. That word hinder means the act of impeding or restraining motion. That which stops advancement, or an obstruction. And so he tells us right here, uh, uh, he said in the text verse, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. That word grieve means to, uh, uh, to afflict or to wound 
the feelings, to offend. He said, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Now, men, you need to get a hold of something that, now, and I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear me. He's got to work for your life. He's got to work for my life. And He's got to work for people that is around here. Now, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Hey, boys, if you want to hold up on that, that'll be fine. If you just want to hold up on it, because I want you to get this. Grieving means to offend or, or, to, or to obstruct or to keep from going forward in hindering. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been grieved at anything or anybody? Let me ask you, have you ever tried to help somebody that you knew they needed help, but they wouldn't take it? You knew what was coming if they didn't take that help. You knew that. I mean, they couldn't see it. They couldn't perceive it. But yet you knew what was coming down the road. Not that you're better than them. Not, not that you got any more smarts than they got. But I will tell you this. There is a little bit to experience. Amen. Amen. I, man, I used to hate that. But more than I used to hate that when older people would say you only learn some things by experience. And that proves to be true. You know, you can read down the book all day long. And listen, you can read down this book. It's true. It's true. It's true. But there's some things you're only going to experience by going through it. Uh, talking about, uh, let, let me give you an example. I know He'll never leave us nor forsake us. I know He will not desert us. I know those things. And when you're 20 years old, and maybe when you were 20, you'd been through a bunch. I don't know, when we were 20, we hadn't been. And so I could read it and I could hear people say, God won't leave you nor forsake you. He'll not leave you alone. Uh, but friend, then, then there's times when, when you do face dark times and bad times. And, uh, I mean, they come and, uh, and you lay in bed awake and, uh, and cry on your pillar and you wonder if God really is real, but He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Amen. I'm always reminded that I'm His and He's going to keep me. He said right here, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. You try to give good help and good advice, but they will not listen. Notice right here in the verses that I read. He talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. He talks about putting away some things and in putting away these things, uh, uh, he's talking about a contrast right there. What do you mean a contrast? A contrast is, uh, is something that compares two uh, opposing figures to exhibit the differences. Notice what he said right here. He talks about to put off the old man and he tells how he's created. He's corrupt and he's in deceitful lust. He talks about the new man which is after God created in righteousness and true holiness. 
So we're to put off the old man that we were and put on the new man which is after God. So if we do not put off the old man, I can tell you what we're doing. We're grieving the Holy Spirit. He tells us right here to do what? To put off some stuff. Don't you like that word stuff? That's like things. Things and stuff. That just encompasses a whole lot of stuff, don't it? But what does he say right here? He tells us, well, one of the first things he tells us is to put away lying. All right? We know what lying is. That's to tell an untruth, ain't it? But then what, how does he contrast it? He says to do what? He says put away lying. Uh, uh, put away lying. Speak every man the truth with his neighbor. You want to, you want to uh, make the Holy Spirit happy. Let me say it that way. You'll make God happy. By the way, He is the third part of the Trinity. There are three that by record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. 1 John 5. You want to make God happy? Tell the truth. You want to grieve the Holy Spirit? Tell a lie. You, 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 you notice what he said right here. He said, be angry and sin not. Well, that's a contrast, ain't it? We're good at being angry, but we have a tendency to sin sometimes when we get angry. He said, be angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Hey, if, if, you're, if, it's, gonna be, if it's gonna be worth getting angry over, then you ought to stay angry over it until you get it resolved. That's what he's talking about. A lot of people say, well, don't, don't, you know, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't, don't go to bed angry. That's a good piece of advice, but that's not what that verse is talking about. He says, be ye angry. And so I, I've got a preacher friend of mine. He's in heaven now, and I'm trying to remember all this story. But, but he, they were doing something at the church. They were doing something at the church, uh, and, and, and he had to go down to the courthouse and he had to file some paperwork and he was complaining a little bit to the girl behind the desk about all they had to go through to get this done. I don't know how much he was complaining. I just know he complained some. Because she said, if you don't like it, why don't you get the law changed? All right. You know what he done? He called a lawyer. And you know what they done? They got the law changed. Be ye angry and sin not and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. It made him angry enough that he didn't sin, but he done something about it. We have a tendency, or I have a tendency sometimes, that I'll get angry, I'll get angry, and 15 minutes later I'm okay, but nothing's never changed. What was it worth getting angry over? If nothing's changed in 15 minutes, then why are you still not angry? He said, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let it get the best of you. When it gets the best of you, that's when we grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Are we okay? Okay. Neither give place to the devil. Boy, when you sin, uh, uh, when, when you get angry, uh, and sin or when you get angry and you let the sun go down on your wrath, you've given place to the devil. He said, let him that stole steal no more. All right, don't steal. But then he said, let him work that thing which is good. All right, 
Not a bad job. Not a corrupt job. That's like somebody somebody saying, well, I prayed for a job. God gave me this job driving a beer truck. No, I don't think he did. (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't think God was nowhere around that. Amen. I think the devil got involved there a little bit. And and let let me park right here and say this. I don't know what your job is, but if you're driving a beer truck, you need to quit. Amen. Every one of you is order shouting. He said him do what? Work the thing with his hands. Working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. So we're not only working to work that which is good, but we're working to give to him that needs. Oh, boy, that, that takes a turn there, don't it? Well, preacher, I worked. It's mine. I agree. You work, but you work because God gave you the ability. You work because God gave you the health. You work because God gave you the smarts to be able to do your job. Whoso, the Bible said in little John, he said, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let, not, let, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know, there are just some people need help. There are just some people need help. I mean, I'm talking about monetarily, they need help. And if you, you say, preacher, I don't have the ability. Okay. See, that's what he said right here in little John. He said, but whoso hath this world's good. If you have the ability to do it. Some people don't have the ability. You can see the need, but you don't have the ability to fix the need. He's not talking to you. But if you have the ability to either fix the need or help the need, You may not be able to fix it all, but you might be able to help some. See, there is a contrast. So when we sit there and we have the ability to help, but yet we don't do anything, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And we want to come in on Sunday morning and gather up in the choir, sit in the congregation, and sing and talk about, you know, my name is written there and at Calvary and talk about everything Jesus done for us. And he's the dearest friend I ever had. Man, he gave everything he had for you. Yes, he, did. he left heaven for you. I mean, 1 Corinthians over there, the Apostle Paul said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. And then we want to complain about giving a little money and that to help a brother. He's talking about a brother. Somebody saved. Somebody you go to church with. Well, preacher, I wouldn't have a problem. Somebody go to church with. Okay, that's good. What about somebody you don't go to church with, but they go to another church and they're saved? Did you have a problem giving? I didn't say give it all. I didn't say you had to empty your checkbook. And you, now if you want to, let me say this. If you want to, you take that up with the Lord. <laughs> but like Brother Larry Seals said one time, he was in a meeting and God had been dealing with him and dealing with him about giving a $20 bill in the offering. And he said, Lord, that's the only $20 bill I got in the lasting. And he said, I ain't got no gas to get home. 
And he was probably two or three hours from the house and he said, finally the last night of that meeting, I put that $20 bill in there and he said it wasn't too much longer later. Old gentleman come up to him just crying, weeping and crying and carrying on and handed him a $20 bill and said, God has dealt with me this whole meeting about giving you that money. How are you going to handle that? Don't you think the Holy Spirit was in arrangements on that thing? Brother Larry was about to miss a blessing and that gentleman was about to miss a blessing. And the Holy Spirit wanted to do something in both their hearts. Can I tell you the Holy Spirit wants to do something in our hearts today? He does. He wants us, He wants to bless us if we'll let Him. But He said, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. But that which is good. So not that which is bad, but that which is good. So in other words, our talk to be right. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. How do we How do we as Christians grieve? How do we offend? How do we make sorrowful the Holy Spirit when our talk is not right? Our actions are wrong and our talk is wrong. He said our speech at one point ought to be seasoned with salt that we may be able to administer grace to the hearers. When we talk, does people, I mean, are we just, I, listen. Now, you're looking at somebody that loves to talk. My wife come in the other day. I don't think she said three words to me the whole time. She come in and I was just, man, I was ratchet jawing the whole time. And I told her, I said, you, you've been around people all day, ain't you? Because she, ain't, she, she wasn't talking. I said, you must be talked out because my wife don't talk that much. And she says, how can I talk? You're doing all the talking. (laughs) Again, church, she can say that stuff. You might want to be real careful. Amen. But Miss Latham, she can get with me sometimes. We've got to be very careful about what comes out of our mouth. What we can say can grieve the Holy Spirit so bad. I'm aware of what time it is. Stay with me, okay? We tell the truth. We have good words to say. He talks about let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away with you from all mouths. And I could spend all day right here. But man, when we have bitterness in our heart toward people or toward a situation, some people really have bitterness in their heart toward God because of how life has went, because of something that's happened. I heard a great message this morning. I was up about uh, 5 o'clock, a little after 5. I was listening to a message on Job. And he's been one of the very rare preachers that I ever heard say this. He said, life ain't fair. And I thought, boy, how true that is. We want to think as Christians that life is fair. Life ain't fair. Life is not fair. And we get bitter at the fact because life ain't fair. I mean, bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to godly people. We're studying that on Wednesday night right now. And the wicked seem to prosper. But yet right here, he told us to do what? Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And the contrast is, and be ye kind one to another, 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. When we don't listen and then do or not do, we hinder the Holy Spirit and we grieve Him. When we get away from God, we grieve Him. We offend Him. But then quickly, I want you to look with me in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Just real quick. Verse 19. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19. A a four-word verse. Quench not the Spirit. Now, how do we hinder the Spirit? We grieve Him. We offend Him. Let me ask you something. If you try to help somebody, a friend, somebody that you love dearly, a family member, and you have invested time in them, and you want to help them so much, and they refuse to listen, how much will you keep on trying to help them? Till you just say, okay, enough's enough. I'm not saying you quit being their friend. I'm not saying that you cut them loose from the family. But you know, there comes a time when people don't want to listen. You'll quit talking to them. You'll quit trying to help them. Do you know the whole Spirit's the same way? It's not that He goes away. It's just if you say no long enough and you want to live that way that we were in contrast right there long enough, He'll quit dealing with your heart. He'll quit. Why? Because you've grieved Him. You have offended him. But it says right here, to quench not the spirit. The word quench means to extinguish or to put out or to destroy. Second Samuel 14 talks about to quench the coal, the burning coal. Second Samuel 21 talks about quenching the light. Uh, Psalms 104 talks about quenching their thirst. Ephesians 6 talks about quenching all the fiery darts of the wicked. It literally means to extinguish or to put out, and he says, quench not the Spirit. So that means we can put out the Holy Spirit. I don't know if Brother Mitchell will remember this. I remember being in singing one time. And, and the first group that got up to sing, man, done a great job. And I honestly believe they were there to honor God. And they did, and God come by. There was a man and a woman got up next and they were there to honor their self. And you know what happened? God went nowhere around that thing. And he went away. I mean, he went away from that meeting. I'm not sure if he ever came back. Why? He got offended and he got quenched at the same time. I'm sure my wife remembers that meeting. Maybe not, but we get in the way sometimes and we quench the Holy Spirit. We have the wrong motive sometimes and we quench the Holy Spirit. We get ahead of God sometimes and we quench the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's easy. He is easily offended and we'll put out His work by what we're trying to do. Take your Bible and go to the book of 2 Samuel. Stay with me now, please. Stay with me because I want you to get this. I honestly do. 2 Samuel. 
I'm, I'm, I'm on the home stretch, I promise you. 2 Samuel chapter 5. Now this is David. He's, he's, he's become king. And the Philistines have come up against him. Verse 18. 2 Samuel 5 verse 18. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephidim. Or uh, Rephidim. Put a D in there and it wasn't there. Rephidim. Rephidim. You know why is it that the enemy always spreads themselves out? And makes themselves bigger than, look bigger than what they are. And David inquired of the Lord, that's important, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to, uh, came to Baal Perizim, and David smote them there, and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as a breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perizim. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. That's a good thing to do. All right, he's defeated the enemy. The enemy has left their gods there. We can't leave them around. We've got to get shed of them. Verse 22, And the Philistines came up yet again. Never be deceived. The enemy's always going to come up. And spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. There they are again. Same place. Same enemy. Same everything. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not. Go up. Well, now wait a minute. It's the same enemy in the same place. Why can't I go like I did before? Well, that ain't what God said. And, and, and when David inquired of the Lord, now notice he's inquiring of the Lord. Boy, what a great thing. He said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come up on them over against the mulberry trees and let it be when thou hearest the sound of going in the tops of the mulberry trees that then thou shalt bestir thyself for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until uh, thou come to Gezer. David could have got in front of the Lord. And you know what he'd have done that second time? He would have lost the battle. We sometimes just get in the way of doing our own thing and we quench the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we won't do what God wants us to do. And he says, okay, and we just quench the Holy Spirit. You know, I try to be very careful in this church service. I try to be very careful about singing. I don't mean to offend anybody. And if you've practiced and you want to sing a special, and I stand up, and I tell Brother Jeff, don't open the floor, and I just get right up here after choir singing, and go to preaching, don't, don't get offended at me, please. Because all I'm trying to do is follow the Holy Spirit. I'm not, it ain't that I don't want you to sing. If I didn't want you to sing, I'd say, nah, you don't need to sing. I'm just trying to get the preaching time right. And I'm being honest about that. I'm, I'm, you know, a lot of times I, I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying while this meeting's going on, Lord, what's the direction we need to be headed in? Because you know what's going to inevitably happen? Hopefully God's going to deal with somebody sitting in this meeting. Amen. And if me and you ain't careful, we'll mess up what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in this meeting. 
We'll get sidetracked by watching something else that's going on. I'm, I'm, you know the church that, that, that me and my wife come out of, they had clear windows. And you could see the road going by. And if you ain't careful, you'd just be watching traffic go by. Well, the preacher must have been hot on the trail. I don't know. I'm glad, we got, I'm glad we've got frosted windows. Amen. That's why you need to be careful what you do in the middle of service. I know moms and dads has got to be moms and dads. I get that. I understand that. But you need to be very careful what you let your children do in this meeting. Because they will inevitably affect what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. I take when we come in here very serious. I hope you do. I hope you take your serving the Lord and Him trying to move in your life and do something in your life very serious. I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. I don't want to put Him out. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put Him out. Some, sometimes if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll let us get in the way in one fashion or another and we'll miss what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. He's trying to work in somebody and work in your life. And you get sidetracked. And before you know it, it's put out. You know, there's an old song that we sing a lot of times, or sometimes for the invitational hymn. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. And there's a lot of truth. My pastor used to say what I'm about to say, and I adopted his philosophy right here, that how he loved that song and I do too for the very fact of it talks about while on others thou art calling do not pass me by. If God is dealing with somebody and he needs to be dealing with me I want to know it. I want to feel him. I want to hear him. I want him to be able to deal with me. And I want him to be able to deal with you. Let's bow our heads this morning if we would.